Hi, this is Marcus Golden, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Sets up, gets hit by Golden. The ball is coughed up. Golden picks it up. You can hear him chirping the entire practice, and if he sees somebody that's not bringing the same intensity to a drill, he'll let him know. Playing with a bunch of dogs, man, a bunch of tough guys that just love football. I'm looking forward to bringing that dog mentality back. Guys flying around, making plays. His nickname is Junk. It's Junk Her Dog, I guess. Marcus Golden back. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. I think that is my favorite rejoin. I think it is. Yeah, it is. Yes, it's it mine. Is. It's yes. mine, but it's bittersweet right now because every time I hear it, I'm like, um, when he's like, Marcus Golden's back, I'm like, wait, is Marcus Golden back? I love Vance Joseph saying there, they call him the junkyard dog, I guess, when he first showed up. He really didn't know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, he knows all about the dog that is Marcus Golden. Well, what was the clip we played from Cliff yesterday when, you know, he's talking about Marcus Golden on Monday and obviously calls him junk, right? And then yeah. I think it was Rondale Moore. He's like, oh, yeah, same as junk. So, like, if you're just, I always think of the person that's driving through town, like, so does Cliff not like Rondale Moore? What's going on? He just compared him to junk. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, how about this news? Oh, yeah. On the, uh, the Fitzy, welcome to the media. On ESPN's, <laughs> oh, you, Wolf just admitted he's part of the media. Yeah, but once again, Larry is part of the media. Yeah. I am not part of But the you media. just welcome Larry him to the media. Larry is part of the oh, media okay. now. All right. Well, is there room for a Pitt guy and a West Virginia guy in the same media? Yeah, I doubt it. Um, how about that? Big news yeah, with Larry, though. He's, he's going to be on Monday night uh, countdown for five to seven pregame shows. Okay. Into Monday Night Football. This what year. is the Monday night countdown? What That's is, just their pregame exactly, show. Is it pregame? Yeah. That's what it is, right? Because I don't watch that. No. Um, Obviously, yeah. Well, you becoming know, clear yeah, once again. The game, show yeah. me the game. Okay. All right, forget about the build up to it, and uh, forget about the post game. I don't care what anyone says about it. Just show me the game. Yeah, but you're gonna have to watch now because Fitz is gonna be on there for five to seven games. Yeah, now we're gonna be ripping everything Larry Fitzgerald says. Right? <laughs> that, that, that's what we're gonna do. How many games? That's five what to you're seven, going you to said? be doing. Five to seven. Five to seven pregame shows. <laughs> so I don't know, does that mean Fitzy. six? Hey, Fitzy, check this out, man. It, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how your five appearances go. You think yeah. that's what happened? <laughs> I, I think I think they asked Fitz to do seven, and he's like, I might be traveling the globe for two um, of those weeks. Hey, Fitzy, is there going to be a sixth? That's what I want. <laughs> no. I don't think that's the issue. I think if Larry Fitzgerald wants to do I guarantee game, a guy from West Virginia is going to get seven. Oh, he'll get seven. All right. Here we go. All right, Fitz. That's, yeah. Okay. Guy from Pitt, five and done. I, you know, I hope one day, I just hope Fitz is randomly listening from who knows where he is, London or something today. And he's like, he's obviously listening to the podcast or he's yeah, streaming well, on the course. Arizona Sports app. Streaming live. And he's like, I can't believe this wolf guy. I mean, he's yeah, already. Right. No, he already knows. He already says that. Yes. Uh, did you look at the Cardinals depth chart yesterday as it was officially released for week one? Okay. Okay. Um, no, I did not. Okay, so I'm, I'm <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> no, that. No, it's better. It's better for um, this. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm just, you know, looking down the starters and, you know, we've, we've talked about how some of these guys, you know, JJ Watt wasn't there for the open portion of practice today. Rodney Hudson is still listed as number one, but he wasn't there today either. Okay. Just tell me where they listed Marquise Hollywood Brown. They listed. Oh, Hollywood Brown. They listed him. They have Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore, and then they have AJ Green separate. Okay, so they have AJ Green in the role. I think you originally thought he was going to be in. No right? way. Wait a minute. Yeah, you, they have AJ Green 
as the one receiver yes. to one side. Yes. Now, they don't list it flat out as like an X or a Z. Exactly they just right. they have him, but they do have him separate. Yeah, but you know what? With no backup, they, actually. Remember when they first released that? Remember when they did that? When they first re- released that? Yes. It was not. No, it I, was not A.J. Green. As the X. They have to AJ. the sole receiver side. They have, what traditionally is the sole receiver side. They have AJ as the X with nobody behind him. They have Hollywood Brown with Greg Dortch behind him. They have Rondale Moore with Andy Isabella behind him. Oh, my goodness. Check that out. See, okay, early on, I thought A.J. Green would be the guy, right? A.J. Green's going to be the guy that's going to mimic DeAndre Hopkins. Their skill set is is uh, something that I think is similar. Mm-hmm. And because of that, A.J. Green going out there, it's not like D-Hop runs by everybody. A.J. Green doesn't run by everybody. It's not like D-Hop doesn't have great hands. And there are many contested catches. He does have great hands with many contested catches. That's A.J. Green as well. You know, when I said yesterday A.J. Green couldn't keep up with Andy Isabella and Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore, you said I was saying A.J. Green was slow. Right. You just said the same thing. No, I, I didn't say slow, though. I didn't you pointed say slow out either. That you, no, you implied it immediately implied that he was slow. That he wouldn't I didn't imply nothing. Guys. I just said he doesn't have blazing speed. Oh, okay. I didn't even want to talk offense here. I wanted to get to the defense, okay? So you go to Marcus Golden. <laughs> okay, Mar- Marcus, is that why you played the Marcus Golden cut coming back? Well, I didn't. So, okay, was command and control. There you go. But, uh, but they knew where this was going. You know who Marcus Golden's backup is on the depth chart? Um, Devon Kennard. Devon Kennard. Yes, yeah. Devon Kennard. Why, why do you think that's interesting? Well, because he was sent down <laughs> to the practice squad, and the guy in front of him might not play on Sunday. Well, actually, he was caught. He, he was. Yes, remember, he, yes, was, he was caught. He was and waived, and then all of a sudden they signed him back to the practice squad, because nowadays in the NFL you can sign anybody back to the practice squad. But he might play. Um <laughs> And now all of a sudden, well, it makes perfect sense. He's a pro. I, I he's, get it. He's not going to be wowed by anything. He's going to be a guy that's going to go out. He's going to be in the right place. He's going to do his job. Now, he might not do it as well as somebody else, but he's going to do his job. He's a pro's pro. I got nothing against Devon Kennard. I just want Marcus Golden back on I, the field. Yeah, I, I just want to look at yeah, A.J. Green. Look at that. They did that, man. They moved that over there. I, I'm just wondering if they thought, well, wait a minute. Why are we telling teams that we're going to put Hollywood Brown there? As Is anyone else going to say? Because, again, I'm not saying they didn't do it because they heard me talking about this. They did not. Okay, but to me, traditionally, when you organize a depth chart like this, where one wide receiver is on one side and then two wide receivers are on the other side of the offensive line, that's an indicator. That's our X. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so A.J. Green. That's going to be interesting As to see right what now. happens right now. Yeah. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Why not leave him as the Z? Of course, leave him on the strong side of the floor. Leave him as the Z because now all of a sudden, A.J. Green, who's similar to D-Hop, of course, when D-Hop comes back, you don't have to move Hollywood Brown anymore. I just like the idea of having Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore. I'm assuming Rondale Moore is good to go. Just having those two. By the way, we get a real injury report later on today, like an actual official injury report, so stay tuned for that. Uh, maybe start to get some clarity. The first one of the season. 
But I like the idea of having Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore lined up next to each other, and it's just like two jets taking off at the same time. Okay, the way they've got this listed right here, though, once again, they they almost make it appear as though Marquise is going to be the slot. He's going to be the H. That is not the case. That would be strange. Right, I'm telling that would you, be very weird. I'm telling you right now, that is not going to be the case. Uh, Rondell Moore, I think, is going to line up on the inside. Yeah, that's that's you can just very, flip those. This is this is subterfuge. That's what it is right now. It is depth chart subterfuge by the Arizona Cardinals. You know what this is? Is you got so caught up in the depth chart, I didn't even get to play the Buda Baker cut I wanted to play. So now I'm gonna have to play it later on in the show. Okay, Buda. At a very inopportune time. It's never a bad time to play Buda. That's true. Uh, all week this week, we are sending you and your wolf pack to see the Cardinals take on the Raiders in Vegas, courtesy of Circa Resort and Casino. So just text Vegas to 620-620 and then listen for your name anytime during our show. Plus, qualifiers are going to win tickets to the Cardinals' home opener against the Chiefs on Sunday. We already did this once yesterday and it worked. We're going to do it again today at some point in the next two and a half hours. That's Vegas to 620-620. All right, we come back. How has Cliff Kingsbury grown as a head coach heading into year four? We'll get some insight from Kyler Murray next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Cliff Kingsbury, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. On the jog! Let's go! Cliff grinds like he is here in this building all the time, like 4 a.m. Unbelievable coach, great guy. He's not facing the same scrutiny. That pretty boy football they tried to tag us with so many years ago. Doesn't really talk much, just kind of talks what he wants, and guys want to play for guys like that. You're only good as your last session. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. A lot of talk about how for the Cardinals to take the next step this year, Kyler Murray has to evolve as a leader and as a quarterback, Wolf. And I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I think Kyler, I think for the most part, other set the Rams game aside last year, the playoff game. Kyler Murray has been everything you hope for when you take him in the first round in his first couple of years. Now, the, the caveat is that he keeps getting better, obviously. But I don't think anybody would look at that and be like, oh, we shouldn't have taken him with the first pick. Setting aside the Rams playoff game, which is one game. But also, the evolution of Cliff Kingsbury is going to play a big role in whether or not the Cardinals are kind of hitting their ceiling right now, winning 11 games, which is fine if it's like the next step. It's good. You're in the playoffs. Or if you're really going to be a team that starts winning playoff games, Cliff's going to have to continue to evolve as well. I think he is. We're going to, you know, we're going to see that over the course of the season, but, um, that's that's a huge part of the the recipe here for success. If the Cardinals There's are going to take the next step, absolutely no doubt about it, Luke. Honestly, um, Cliff Kingsbury has evolved so much since he showed up here in 2019. Um, personally, I think Cliff would tell you that front and center. I think he's already stated that. But it's not just evolving as a man, ladies and gentlemen. It's also evolving as an NFL coach and looking at the NFL game and realizing it's not the college game. It mm-hmm. isn't. There are dif- differences that aren't so subtle. Let's put it that way. And I think Cliff has learned that and continues to evolve And this is something that I think he's got to continue to do. Not go traditionalist, not suddenly turn into Bruce Arians. That's not what I'm talking about. But he's got to learn to blend the old and the new. 
I think there's probably nobody better to hear from as far as as the conversation as to how Cliff has evolved than Kyler Murray. And again, this is from Cardinals uh, flight plan. Kyler talking about Cliff's style of coaching uh, combined with his style of play. Uh, I wouldn't say even kill. He's he's kind of he's kind of uh, he's got a lot of adrenaline and a lot of uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a lot of. A lot of stuff built up. I feel like on Sundays, I think out of, out of us too, I'm the more uh, I'm the more calm one, especially like sometimes having to calm him down, you know, because he coaches to perfection, you know, and um, that's one thing you can always respect. You know, he wants everybody to succeed, but no, it's year, year four, just continue to grow. You know, it's the uh, best it's ever been since uh, you know since we got here. Like we, we know we're in this thing together. You know, we know if we're not if we're not seeing eye to eye, you know. <laughs> It's probably, we're probably not going to be, uh, probably not going to be in the best shape that we would like to be. It's about the communication and being able to talk those things out and uh, put your best foot forward. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here. He's really competitive. I'm very competitive, and all we want to do is win. There aren't a lot, and I'm sure there's a couple. Like Cincinnati might be one of them. Um, Wolf, where there is a quarterback and a coach that came into the league at the same time, you know, in that role. Yeah. Uh, for, for Cliff, Cliff right. wasn't even a coach in the NFL. So for him and then Kyler to get drafted and basically, as Kyler just said right there, be tied together from the start, there's not a lot of those around the league. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. Uh, there are not. Um, and we all know why Cliff Kingsbury came in here because of the air raid, because of everything that he knew about the air raid and the schemes of the air raid. And then guess what happened? The Cardinals went ahead and said, my goodness, there's the guy to actually go orchestrate the air raid. Kyler Murray. Took him number one overall. So obviously, that was a plan from the very beginning. And right now, this is... um this is something that is seriously, uh, it's got to happen. It has to happen where Kyler Murray is going to, de- to develop as a quarterback and as a man. He's going to have to start challenging his teammates more. I love the fact Kyler was saying, you know what, um, I'm probably more calm than Cliff. I know. <laughs> that was it. Did that, <laughs> that surprise you right yeah. there? It just made me like think for a second, like how do these two look on game day? Yeah, but that is great. Kyler's got to be that stoic type guy. He does. Now listen, can you get jacked up when things happen? When you, you score a touchdown, you move the chains, it's a critical point in the game. There's nothing wrong with getting jacked up, but you gotta keep it on an even keel. Kyler is the guy that has to keep it on an even keel. What I love, what I love is the fact that Cliff Kingsbury last year against the Tennessee Titans, for the first time, I actually saw Cliff get jacked up on the sideline. And it was in that first half, and he was challenging not only his guys, but some other guys as well was, from the Tennessee Titans, if was, you recall. It was funny, too, when you talk to players that following week, and we talked to a few even in you know the, the following month after that game, because he started to show a little more emotion on the sidelines after that game, too. A lot of the guys were like, yeah, he kind of is that way behind the scenes. We yeah. just don't see it on the sidelines right. in a game as much until last year. I like that because I think Cliff's got to be that way. Yeah. No, and, and you know, here's more. This is uh, this is Buda Baker talking about Cliff's style of coaching. Well, he's always been that cool, calm, and collective type of guy. He's talking a lot more. You know, he's he's very comfortable type of dude, and he demands greatness from each side of the ball. And it's good to play for a coach like that who just wants us to be great. And each and every week, 
week he he lines up out there and he's calling the calls and you know we got defensive guys trying to talk a little smack to him and you know he's talking a little smack to us so it's definitely fun each and every week going against our offense but also you know having Cliff as our head coach he does seem like somebody and now I get it he has the extension for you know he's locked in for what six more years right now um, last year, though, he didn't have that extension. And even last year, he started to seem like somebody that was a little more confident in the stability of his position, right? Like that very first year, I think it would only have been natural to be oh, to wonder yeah. in the back of your mind, like, oh, yeah. okay, do people think I shouldn't be here? People are telling me I shouldn't be here. What happens if this if things don't go perfectly? Whereas like year two and then last year, he he started to at least appear a lot more assertive during games. Yeah, no, last year he definitely did that. He definitely was more assertive on the sideline during games. That's part of the evolution, Luke. It's part of the way he's got to grow going forward. And then this year, what happened? What happened this training camp, man? Uh, I, I heard Cliff Kingsbury actually call out a player. Twice. By name. Um, now that guy's starting week one. Can I just tell you right now, that was no accident right there. That was no accident, and that is Cliff Kingsbury. That's him developing as a coach. Because suddenly you can use that as a tool. A head coach in the National Football League can actually use that as a tool. Isn't that right, Brazarians? Yes. You can use the media as a tool to get a message or send a message to somebody you're having a hard time reaching. Somebody you're having a hard time getting his attention to. Now, B.A., in my opinion, way too much. (laughs) Used it way too much. Back in my day, Bruce would have fit beautifully with that mentality. Perfectly, as a matter of fact. Any chance you're not going to change B.A. either. He's just going to do it and do it and do it. No, I laugh. I have to laugh when I hear you say that. Because there's no way you're going to change Bruce. Okay? And, Bruce, you need to change, especially when it comes to your fullbacks that no, you boy, here we don't go. have. Fullbacks and, and no fighting, fighting in on the field. Stop it. Here's one from uh, from Cliff himself on Flight Plan this week talking about why he is allowed to be himself as a coach. I, I think I just try to be true to myself, and the guys respect that. They know if I do jump them or, or you know, have a moment where I am really intense, they know it's for a reason, and, and I think it gets the message across. But luckily we have a great room of, of leaders, grown men, that handle a bunch of that policing in the locker room and allows me to be myself and make sure we have great plans and, and can go out there and try and execute. Yeah, you know what's scary? is on the wall. Scary is on his way. Give me some Allison Chains right now, Cliff. This is what you need to understand, Cliff. You know they're going to be here on Saturday. I, they're not going to be here on Saturday. Well, you keep saying that, Luke. You, you keep saying that they're going to they're going to be here. Um Oh, see now this right here. What do you mean they're going to be here? Um, don't worry about that. Forget it. I'm worried about it. If you're ever having a bad day right now, have you ever heard this song, Basinonians? Do what Lane Staley does. The, the advice that we've given to people today. Oh, that feels so good. Just so far. do it. It makes you feel like every inhibition you might have just melts. <laughs> so if you're having a bad day, you're supposed to make what sound? This sound right um, here. Hold on. I think they're going to do it one more time. No, they're no. not. No. Oh, 
Oh, I gotcha. Wow. I thought you knew Alice in Chains. Okay, so do that if you're having a bad day. Yeah. If you if you can't get going, watch highlights of Buddha Baker hitting people. And if you're bored, just wear your mouth guard to work. Yeah. That's the advice we've given in the Did first hour. Did you play the Buddha yet? Did no. you play it? No. We're late to break again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll play it next Thursday. Um, somebody needs to settle down. Yeah. Okay. Somebody does. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What are you watching for when the Cardinals take the field against the Chiefs on Sunday? Wolf's going to tell you what he's watching for. What will Wolf watch is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Season opener for the Cardinals. Not exactly the easiest game against the Chiefs on Sunday. Questions on both sides of the field, although, Wolf, we are finding out more and more today with um, now it sounds like we, we Colt McCoy on IR already, and then it sounds like Man. Rodney Hudson and Justin Pugh are both being considered game-time decisions. Cliff is uh, talking right now. They say J.J. Watt has a calf injury, so all wow. kinds of stuff. So let's, uh, we did wow. this last season. We're going to do it again here this season, Wolf. Why don't we get into what you're watching? What will Wolf watch on Sunday against the Chiefs? What will Wolf watch? The unknown state at the farm. A little Pink Floyd on a hump day Wednesday never hurt anybody. Isn't that right, basin audience? Um, the bells are ringing right now for what is coming on Sunday. Gather on the transistor and press the ear as we prepare, shall we? Give me the cue. The Arizona Cardinals are getting ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday at State Farm Stadium. And other than Patrick Mahomes being really, really good and Kyler Murray being really, really fast, there are more questions than answers. Why is the unknown so scary to us, my brothers? Things that are known can be processed differently by individuals, but for most, there are black and white outcomes. An up or down result. An in or out understanding of what happened, what transpired, and what it tells us. The unknown will be known. That's what my old coach used to say, and he was right. But until the game is played on Sunday, analysts, fans, players and coaches, and a whole lot more, will struggle to say what might happen in the penumbra of predictions. There are so many variables to this Chiefs-Cardinals game, isn't there, my brothers? Who will play for the Cardinals? What will the Chiefs' offense look like without Tyreek Hill? How will Big Red move the ball and score points without DeAndre Hopkins on the field? How will the Chiefs' box stop the Cardinals' rushing attack? Will the Big Red line show up and protect Kyler Murray from Chris Jones? Will Patrick Mahomes destroy the Cardinals' secondary with a new receiving core? Can the Cardinals score more points than the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, man. 
The answers will come, but the doubts will remain. The fans want resolution, and only time will hold them back. Only time will shut their mouths, and only time will produce the outcome we so desperately crave. Uncertainty carries acute discomfort, as an analyst carries an attache case. Buddha. When knowledge creates an inability to process ambiguous situations, anxiety rushes into things assumed, fills it with fire and flame, and produces fear. Uncertainty can intensify how threatening the situation feels, says Emma Tenovich, a psychologist with the Boston Consulting Group in Philadelphia. I count Emma wise. Waves will pour into State Farm Stadium by the tens of thousands on Sunday. And even though their loyalties will never waver, their intensity will threaten their reason as they walk the high wire of not knowing. Begging for time to tick by. Begging for time to show the way. Declaring victory or suffering defeat. All in time. People can try very hard to reduce uncertainty and the anxiety that comes with it, says the good doctor. It's like repeatedly calling a loved one to make sure they're okay. Texting a crush incessantly when they haven't texted back. Compulsively refreshing one's inbox when expecting to hear back about an interview. Or constantly acting like a Richard and expecting not to be punched in the face. Okay, I added that last one. I have no idea who wins this game on Sunday, but I do think we'll start to get answers on what to expect, predict, and know from this Cardinals team in the first quarter of the season based on how they play. Oh, baby. Bring your anxiety. Bring your uncertainty. Bring your fears and throw them into the pit of the unknown. Because the unknown will be known. Isn't that right? Monday morning. The only certainty I have, Basinonians, about this game coming up on Sunday is the uncertainty. We know the Kansas City Chiefs are really, really good. We know that Pat Mahomes is really, really good. Ron Wolfley reporting. But this defense has got a lot of question marks, just like the Arizona Cardinals defense has a lot of question marks. I got captains for you. You want captains? Yes. Eight News? Eight Cardinals captains officially named for this year, and I'm trying to do the math, but I believe six of them uh, were captains last year. Here you go. Kyler Murray. Okay. Rodney Hudson. DJ Humphreys. Dennis Gardeck. J.J. Watt. Buda Baker. They were all captains last year. Okay. They've added two more. Because yeah. obviously, obviously Chandler Jones is not a captain okay. of the, uh, the team this year. Jordan Hicks was a captain yes. last year. He's not anymore either. Uh, they have added... James Conner. James Conner. And Jalen Thompson. How about that? All right two safeties there, man. as captains. Um, 
Okay, what sticks out? What is the number one thing you think of when you hear those captains? Two safeties as captains. No, as a matter of fact. Yes, it is. First a special teamer, Dennis Garden. No, that's not the it. Barbarian? Yeah, first of all, no. Don't, he, don't call us special teamers, Mel. We are transitional technicians. Okay, that's what we are. Um, special teamer sounds I just, so much better. No, it doesn't. Yes. Special teamer. Look well, at little Ronnie Wolfley run down the field. Doesn't he make you feel special? <laughs> I mean, that's what, no. Transitional technician sounds like somebody that rewires your electricity. Transitional technician. Anyone who plays in transition knows exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, right. but you, you got me sidetracked right there. Rodney Hudson, named as a team captain. Basinonians, he will Play! <laughs> he will play! It was nice to see. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Oh, I'm saying he not will questionable next play at some point this year. Great. He is going to play. <laughs> We're going to see Rodney Hudson. They wouldn't have given him the C. I, I, honestly, I, I'm like, yeah. Because I didn't know what was going on there. It's not like Rodney said, give me the C, I want the C, right? And no, you hand that out as an organization. I don't know exactly how the Arizona Cardinals did it, but I would imagine it's by vote. All right, that's four offensive players, two offensive linemen, four defensive players, two safeties. Uh, like I said, no Chandler Jones, no Jordan Hicks, and then uh, no DeAndre Hopkins, but he's missing the first six games of yeah. the season. Those were the three guys that were captains last year that aren't captains this year. So not nine this year, Wolf, uh, just just eight captains this year. When we come back, what exactly can the Diamondbacks do with their bullpen? We'll ask their general manager, Mike Hazen. He's joining us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com. Diamondbacks back at it this evening. Petco Park in San Diego against the Padres. Chance to win another series. That would be their ninth series win since the All-Star break. Joining us on the Arizona Sportsline right now is their general manager, Mike Hazen. Uh, Mike, thank you for the time this morning. And I, I we got to start in the outfield. You know, there's been all this talk and there had been all this talk. At some point, you may have almost too many outfielders. Did you expect them all to be playing this well this quickly? Uh, we, we will never be in a position where we have too many, uh, uh, good players of anything. Uh, so, so that, that would never be a problem. Um, it, it's very encouraging to watch all those guys, um, you know, go out and do what they're doing right now. Obviously the, the DH has been a big advantage for us, uh, in this situation because without the DH, you could end up in that situation, I think. Uh, but given the new rule changes, um, we've been able to, you know, make sure we're getting every day at bat spread around uh, to those guys. And yeah, I mean, the, the internal competition amongst them, uh, we've talked about kind of missing over the last few years, that internal competition, pushing each other um, to different heights, I think is what good baseball teams have, uh, what probably most good sports teams have. Uh, and, and, and I think this is going to benefit us 
down the road. Yeah, no, Mike, man, that really resonates with me. These young guys that are battling for at-bats. I mean, you could just see it. It's electric, not only out on the diamond, but of course in the dugout. I mean, you can see the competition here. And speaking of that, Jake McCarthy, what is he becoming, Mike? Yeah, I mean, you obviously remember, I, I know it kind of got lost in the shuffle a few years ago. We took him very high in the draft. We, we, we took him in the same area as some of these other guys. And, you know, we really liked him. Our scouts loved him when we took him. And, and the first year, it didn't get off to a great start. Uh, but he went, and, and then we had COVID. So it was sort of 19 and then COVID. And things just kind of got buried and lost from there for a while. And a lot of credit to what he did that season, um, going home, putting on weight, strength, uh, and then changing his swing. Uh, he made a lot of adjustments to his swing to get more lift in his swing. You see that in some of the manifestation of the power. Um, the, the speed and the athleticism was something that we had identified right out of the draft, something that he had always been, he was always really good at. Um, and he's becoming a good player at this level and he's had to go through some ups and downs to do it i I think that even more credit to him for that you know we've sent him down multiple times this year each time he's come back he has been better than he was when he left and that's what you hope that these guys you know sending guys back isn't a punishment sending guys back sometimes is a function of the major league roster and where we're at in the season it's also a function of hey there's still some things you need to tighten down and Sitting up here on the bench isn't going to get that done. So go down to AAA and play and and improve on those things and give him credit. He's done those things every single time. And, you know, that's not always what happens um, because it is, a, it is a mental grind when you get sent out and you feel like, ah, oh, they're telling me I don't belong here anymore. I'm not good enough to play here. And that's usually not the case. But, but we understand that the subtle message to it could be interpreted that way. Um, and, and in this case, it's go down and improve on some of the things that you're doing. And he's come up here and done those things. And he's contributed to a ton of wins since he's been back. Mike, how encouraged are you in the staff when you watch this team play now? How encouraged are you? More encouraged, for sure. Um, never, never getting too far ahead of ourselves here. Um, we, 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 you know, we're still under 500, and we are not where we kind of need to be um, at this point in the season. Uh, the, the goal is to make the playoffs every year, and yet, you know, it, it, you, you have to learn to walk before you run. Uh, last year, we were we were lying face down, so this year we're at least up and walking. Um, and, and that's good to see. It's good to see some of those adjustments that have been made. It's good to see us playing better defensively. Uh, our starting pitching has certainly been exceptional here in the last six weeks. And we're watching some of the young position players get thrust into some tough situations and, and, and doing well. Christian Walker has been carrying us. You know, we've started to see a lot of really good things happening. Talking to D-backs, General Manager Mike Hazen. Uh, Mike, Zach Gallen, I, I, he seems like somebody just in our times talking to him that has the mental makeup to put together a streak like this. He obviously has the stuff, and he's obviously putting together the streak, which is still going. Have you ever seen anything like this at the major league level? I mean, incredible season. Um, I mean, probably we've had runs with guys when we were back in Boston with, you know, John Lester and, and, and Beckett and Lackey and, and, and those guys, it, it, it you know, uh, yes, some of, some of these things, maybe not a scoreless streak to this, to this magnitude, but this guy has all the talent, brains and physical ability to be pitching at the top of a rotation. He's doing that right now. He's leading us. Uh, we're very fortunate to have him. 
Mike, talk a little bit about the bullpen here because it's it's interesting. In the game of football, if you can't stop the other team from running the ball, it's one of the most demoralizing things that could happen to a football team. I kind of liken it to a bullpen and all of the blown save opportunities right now, all of the losses that your closers have taken so far. I, I mean, to me, it's it's got to be very demoralizing how do you feel about the bullpen right now and how do you feel yeah we've, we've talked about this all season long not necessarily just in this context but it, we, we these the losses like last night are the toughest losses to swallow a lot of times because you know in a lot of ways it's, it's what makes that job so difficult you know there's there's no margin for error um and when you're in a one-run game you know those those are the things that happen and you know so there's two two defenses to that you 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 score more, <laughs> give yourself a little bit more margin for error in that inning. Um, and, and, or, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta shut it down. Um, we haven't done a great job of that on the whole, whole of the season. Uh, I think, you know, the amount of losses we've taken in that area uh, is something that we, if we're going to become the team that we need to be, um, you carry a one run lead on the road against a team like that. You got to close that game out. So we, we, it's, it's something that we're definitely going to be fixated on now and moving forward. Uh, and it's something we are well aware of that needs to improve for us to become what we want to become. Is that, you know, and I know you say you don't want to get ahead of yourselves, but is that really in your mind, not the one thing that's missing, but the biggest thing that's missing as you look ahead to next year? Because, I mean, I would think as a GM, you did go out and got a guy that was an all-star last year that had 39 saves and a sub-3 ERA. <laughs> to a certain extent, if I was the GM, I would feel like I kind of did what I was supposed to do, and it's just not working, so what do you do now? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the nature of dealing with bullpen sometimes. You know, those years can fluctuate, and, and, and talent stays the same, and sometimes, you know, those one-inning stints, you, you're you're just required to put up zeros every single time out, and that's just that's not always going to happen uh, to figure this process out. It is going to be at the forefront of what we're looking at doing this offseason, but it's been at the forefront of every offseason we've had, and it's probably going to be for the foreseeable future. You know, if you don't have lockdown, multi-year deals with guys out in the bullpen, which we don't, um, you're going to end up having to rebuild the bullpen almost every single year. Yes, it is one of the things that we are going to be uh, focused on. I do think it's one of those areas that we could see some of the biggest gains um, if we could figure that out. Mike, last one for me right here. How much credit do you think Tory deserves for the development of these young guys? A lot. A lot. And it's not just Tories, the coaches too. Um, the the amount of work that has gone into this group, um, yes, Tory is sort of the 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 person in the front that orchestrates all of it uh, and gets these guys to and and with Jeff Bannister to sort of buy into what we need to get done on a daily basis. And the coaches are out there executing on pushing these guys to improve. Um, you can't stand still in this league. The the best teams find the best players on the best teams push themselves to get better every year. Those are the stories you always hear about the great players. It's not that they were that much more talented. It's not that they, you know, even worked harder in a lot of cases that drive to improve even when they're at the top of their game. Um, that is something that we need to embrace organizationally to become a playoff team is that our players need to continue to push themselves. This is a good step that we've taken over the last six weeks. Over the six weeks in a baseball season is a long time um, to be playing good baseball. That, that is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, how we go into this off season 
the rest of the season into this offseason about pushing that further, that that just wasn't good enough, that there's more, um, I think that's going to be what tells our story or not. Well, Mike, you guys look like a different team since the All-Star break. Good luck against San Diego tonight. Thanks for the time. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. That's uh, DBX GM Mike Hazen joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, Wolf, all of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolf and Down Your Lunch is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. You've been listening to Diamondbacks Front Office Focus. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com.